Hello and welcome to another episode of Corgi Town USA, a podcast for pets and their people. I am Candy, owner of Corgi Town USA. In my lap is Chuckles, our spokes Korg, and hi, I'm Catherine. And running around the studio is my little Corgi Digby, taking down our equipment, taking down the equipment. <laughs> yes, indeed. And we have Booger Hammer and Mortimer Barnabas helping him. Indeed. Well, I don't know that Hammer's helping, but I, he's yeah, spectating. He's spectating. Exactly. <laughs> Well, if you're new here, hi. Every Thursday, we have new episodes um, about traveling with your pet, corgi lifestyle, uh, health of the breed, just being dog parents, pet parents in general, yes. uh, what life looks like, what what information we can bring to you to kind of help and make your life easier, better for you and your pets, whatever information we can share. As such, we have guests, Digby. Digby. And we also have our creator series where we bring on artists and writers and different creators that are pet centric. So Kat found us a lovely guest. So um, Eric and I were in the car and we were listening to NPR and Evie was on talking about her book, Good Grief. And, uh, you know, and, and I heard it and and I'm sitting there going, you know, you tell them because it's a about grief and grieving your pet and how we've all heard so many different things. And so we reached out and she is agreed to come on the show. Uh, now would be the time to pause the show and go get yourself a box of tissues, which I'm sorry, we don't have our own box of tissues here. Am I going to cry off my fake eyelashes? Probably. Yeah. That's why I don't wear them. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're emotional. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we should bring the author on. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and bring okay. her on. Ladies and gentlemen, dogs, cats, birds, etc. Please welcome E.B. Bartels. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for making time to do our little show. We re really appreciate you uh, coming on. That's right. From NPR to us. Oh, oh my gosh, of course. And thanks for, <laughs> listening. Thanks for listening to the uh, NPR interview. That was oh. a fun one to do. Yes, it was. It was fun to listen to, I should say. Yeah. Are you, can you tell us about your, we'd love to hear just a brief bio, kind of tell us who you are and about your book and the inspiration for your book, kind of how we arrived here. Sure. So um, I am somebody who's always loved to read and write, and I've also been someone who has always loved animals. So I grew up with, I have three older siblings who are um, half siblings from my dad's first marriage. So they were, you know, 10 to 15 years older than me, always off doing their own thing. And so I was by myself a lot at home. And when I was looking for companionship, it was always my pets who were there for me. And so I grew up with lots of animals and anybody who grows up with animals knows that part of loving pets is also having to deal with their deaths. Because I don't know about you, I have yet to have a pet that has lived forever. Um, I have two tortoises right now. So like maybe, maybe so <laughs> close. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I... Um, I went to grad school and I was writing my MFA thesis about something else entirely. And when I wanted a break from writing that material, I found I was sort of drawn to writing these sort of memorials and essays about pets I'd had. And they always inevitably ended with how those pets died. Um, 
And I brought a couple in to my grad school workshop and I had friends um, read them. And I was shocked at how excited people were to talk about pets dying. Um, you know, you would think that if you love animals, why would you want to talk about animals um, dying? But my friends immediately then wanted to share stories of pets they'd had, that they loved, that had, um, you know, the things they did when their animals died. And um, I pretty quickly started to realize that there weren't a lot of spaces where people could talk about these things. And um, there were some amazing, amazing, really creative ways that people memorialize their pets because there's no sort of standard, you know, thing that you do when a pet dies. Um, you know, with people, like depending on your religion or your culture, usually you have like a checklist of like, you know, like I grew up in like an Irish Catholic Italian family. So it was like, okay, there's the wake, there's the funeral home. You know, it's like you have your, your list of things you do. Um, but with pets, it's like a free for all. You could do nothing. You could have a wake. You could sit Shiva. You could bury your pet in a pet cemetery. You could have your pet taxidermied. Um, and I was actually really excited to see all the wonderful ways people paid tribute to their pets. So, um, it started off, I thought I was going to just research some fun facts about the history of pet grieving rituals and sprinkle them into those essays. And then pretty quickly, I was like, this is more than enough for a book. This is, I could have written this book like 50 times over with all different wow. cultures and traditions. And it's just the the tip of the iceberg, really. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I, I feel like maybe part of that, and at least here in the States, I don't know that we've publicly normalized what real grief looks like when you lose a pet. It, it's perfectly acceptable to take some time off when a family member dies and, and you take part in your cultural or religious ceremony when you're saying goodbye to someone. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing really here for that no, other than all. the collective us that understand. Yeah. There, I I did find in my research there are a few companies out there that now offer bereavement leave for pet loss, which I think is is really great. Wow. Um, it's it's very few though. It's like I can count them on one hand, and I think it's wonderful though because you know you can't really ever know what someone's relationship is with another person or another being based on just what you know on paper. Um, and I always think about a story my friend told me about her mom um, and her mom's dad. So my friend's grandfather, when he passed away, her mom wasn't even that upset because they had been estranged for a long time. He wasn't really like a dad figure to her, but still she was entitled to get bereavement leave because, you know, on paper, her dad died. So, you know, she could get time off. Um, but then like her cat of 20 plus years passed away and this was an animal that she was with every single day. Like she lived alone. It was just her and her cat. You know, they slept in the same bed. They ate all their meals together. And when her cat died, like nothing, right. You know, she wasn't allowed to take time off. Um, and I always just think that's so interesting that it's like, you don't really know, like, you know, someone could say their aunt died, but really maybe their aunt was more like their mom to them or their cousin died. Maybe their cousin was their best friend or their best friend died and they were really like their sister. And I think with animals too, sometimes people are closer to their pets than they are to their human family members. Yeah. That's a constant companion. And that's aside from the uh, obviously crushing grief from losing someone, anyone, any bean, um, you also have a major life change. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, over and over people would talk about like how 
hard it was because their routine was so different. Because I think pets are so part of our everyday habits. You know, it's it can be really sad to lose a family member, but maybe you don't see them every single day. Or, you know, like I've had times like, um, you know, my aunt lived in Maine and when she passed away, like I didn't see her very often in person, but I would sometimes like forget and still think she was in Maine, you know, and but with pets, like we see them every single day. Like my day is like structured around like when my dog Seymour needs to go out, you know, and like our trips are planned around making sure we have care for all our pets. And so many people told me just how hard it was to motivate themselves to like go for walks when suddenly they didn't have a dog to take out anymore. Or um, even like, you know, one friend who works from home, he was saying when his dog died, he realized like days went by and he hadn't even left the house because he didn't have that same, you know, motivator to, to get out and, you know, walk and, and move around. So I think that can be something that's really, really challenging to deal with when pets die is just that, that big change. It's a weird analogy to make. And I think I have the right to make it because I lost a spouse. It, I think it is almost equivalent to that. Um, Not that it's equivalent to losing a spouse, please. All you wids and widows out there. Don't widowers don't be coming down on me. It is. They are there. As you said, Evie, they are there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They are constantly with you. And that's a huge hole. That is an absolutely huge hole to to try and bear. So, and, and, and I think grief is not, I think the takeaway of all that is grief should never be compared. No. You should, it's not, it's not quantitative. It's grief is, is experiencing loss and profound sadness mm-hmm. resulting from a loss and it means different things to different people no matter the loved one yeah and everybody grieves differently you know that's that's my mantra everybody grieves differently so um there are people that have gotten away with murders by using <laughs> <laughs> i didn't kill them i'm grieving i'm grieving <laughs> well i digress I, you digress <laughs> i digress that's such a good point though with the not comparing grief because i i find a lot of people you know because there are all these still like societal messages that you know animals maybe are lesser than people and so you shouldn't be as sad you know when an animal dies and i think often a lot of people i spoke with were comparing their grief about you know how sad they felt like when their pet died to well you know it wasn't the same as when my sister died you know or wasn't the same as what whatever you know thing they're comparing it to but i think that's you know a bad practice that you should accept you know you're feeling grief it's okay if maybe it's not quite as intense or if it's even more intense to other losses you've experienced but either way you should acknowledge it you should take time to reflect and think about it and you know remember the person animal that you love that you're missing because honestly like grief just comes about because you loved someone um and that person or animal is gone so um yeah i think not comparing grief is so important like in all ways right yes yeah and then there's also kind of going back on the the societal constructs that it's we haven't made it widespread available that you need a moment you need to step away from life and experience the grief from the loss of a pet but also it's kind of been handed down from generations that the animals are held i hate to say in a lesser regard 
it, but generationally yeah. that's oh, sorry about your dog sorry about your cat yeah sorry about you know yeah and then you move on it's it it hasn't been normalized that this is major <laughs> this, this is, is major for us tremendously emotional yeah tremendously emotional any any time a, a, a pet passes um it, your life is never the same you, no no and and there's there's no pet like any other pet and 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 every every grief of every pet is um you know is different like every grief of every person in your life is different and i i i like that your book says it's okay don't bother with the people who tell you one thing or tell you another or tell you to get over it no this is your grief and you do you with your grief is really what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I had people too, who would often, you know, while they're sharing their stories with me often say like, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed cause you know, my pet was like, it was just a, just a Guinea pig that I only had for like two or three years. And you know, Oh, somebody had a horse for 30 years. So they should feel more upset because they had that animal longer. And it really doesn't matter because it's about like where you are in your life, the particular relationship and bond you have with a particular animal. And, you know, maybe like, you know, I talked to people who often had would do a lot of hospice rescue where they would take in older like cats and dogs and like maybe they would only have them for a year or two before they passed. But sometimes they had really profound special relationships with those animals and connected yes. with them before they died. And it just... And, you know, like I've had people ask me, oh, did you find like people mourned, you know, iguanas differently than they would mourn like corgis, you know, and really absolutely not, you know, like for some people losing, you know, a tarantula was as big as for other people losing a cat that they had for like 21 years. Yeah, I had a friend that lost a fish and she and her daughter were, they were bereft mm. over their fish. And I don't think, again, it's. I think it's that societal thing. It's we think of it as formulaic. Is that a word? It formulaic. If not this, then well, it's just your iguana. It's just your horse. It's just your fish. It, it's grief. We shouldn't right. try to assign a formula to it. We shouldn't try to assign. Oh well, because of the time and because no, this is a bond that you shared with another creature, another being, and now you are experiencing the loss that the love that was there that you can no longer exactly yeah exactly I you know I. As our listeners know, uh, I keep chickens and I name them, which people tell me, you know, well, you should name your chickens. I'm not eating them. OK, I'm not. <laughs> I, I, I eat chicken that I get at the grocery store and not the ones in my backyard. And just don't tell your chickens. I know I don't tell my chickens <laughs> unless they're not laying eggs. Then I then I grill. Then you right then, there in the backyard. Then you threaten. <laughs> and I threaten <laughs> when they die. I have a, a ceremony. In, in essence that I do for them, um, you know, when they die, we, it, it maybe to some people it would seem strange or there are rocks at the far corner of the backyard and I will place them on the rocks. Our backyard is open. We have coyotes. And to me, that's, you know, just the circle of life going. A visitable memorial. Of, right. And, and the coyote comes and the circle of life continues. Mm -hmm. So even even for a chicken, yeah, that's my grief. That's your chicken. That's my yeah. chicken. They are smart. They are playful there. And I don't have to justify that to anybody. Right. So we will be here at Corgi Town USA to support you and say however you are reacting, 
if you're going through this loss, we've all gone through it. And it's one of the hardest things I think to get through. Mm -hmm. And let's normalize that. We're going to normalize that behavior. And here's a safe place to come and say, this is hard. I'm, I'm struggling. And that's okay. So as we're talking about this yes. and normalizing certain things, um, Evie, I would love for you to tell us, we know that the people grieve the loss of pets, and um, but we also know that our pets, we're part of a family, that our pets also experience grief. Do you know ideas, things that we can do to help support someone grieving the loss of a pet and our pets grieving the loss of the pet? Yeah, so definitely finding your community of people who get it is so important. So like Corgi Town USA is a great community to, to have. Um, Thank you. <laughs> um, no, but, but just it's, it's hard. I found a lot of people I spoke to for my book would say, you know, I never spoke to anyone about this before, or, you know, I was afraid to share how sad I felt because I was worried someone would make fun of me. And that's a really legitimate fear because since, you know, like you said, we don't really have a standardized, you know, way of talking about pet grief and or pet death. Um, people are often afraid to, to bring it up, right? Because you're like, oh, this person could make fun of me or they could totally get it. So I think finding the spaces where you know, okay, like a pet, you know, there's all these different pet Reddit groups that are, you know, actually really wonderful, supportive places. I always joke that pet internet is like the last nice place online. Um, <laughs> You know, you can post on your own social media too. And, you know, people who think you're overreacting can kind of just scroll by. And then people who are like, oh my gosh, I also knew your animal and I'm, you know, going to miss that pet too. And they can share their own memories or photos. Um, you know, that can be a nice way to kind of put that out there and people who want to engage and can respond well. Um, and I think. Uh, something else that I have found is is really nice is taking time to either write an obituary or put together a photo album or even just pick, you know, 10 photos that you can post on Instagram because taking time to remember like the good things that you did with your pet and the happy times you had together is, is really special. And especially I think often if you've been caring for an animal who's aging and is sick, like sometimes that can really overshadow a lot of your memories, but it can be really nice to be like, Oh, well, look, like we used to go to the beach together. We used to go for these hikes, you know, yeah. and that can be really special. So I think carving out time to do those things um, and having tangible things I found is really nice. So having like a, a photo album that's like printed out that you can go and flip through um, or having framed images of your pet around your home, even after the animals passed away. Like, you know, like when your grandmother dies, you don't throw away the photos that you have oh. of your grandmother, right? So um, doing that and like my husband and I, we have all the collars and leashes from all our old dogs um, yep. and they're all hanging together actually on a hook right by the door because my husband, Richie, he always says, you know, if there's a fire, I want to be able to grab them all on the way out. So they're right Aww. by the door. Um, I love that. Yeah, so I think having people and then finding like tangible things that you can create or um, like commission a portrait to, like if you're not artistically inclined, like if you go on Etsy and search pet memorial crafts, like so many things come up. Um, yes. Like there are people who make beautiful uh, glass beads that you can even have like part of your pet's ashes like swirled into the bead, which I think is really cool. So you can like wear a little piece of your pet. So. Yeah. 
those are all great things. And then I think too, um, something a couple vets and psychologists recommended to me too, is actually going back to the routine thing is trying to find ways to preserve your routine, even if, you know, it's now radically different. So, um, and that can help any current, you know, pets that are still alive. So, you know, my neighbor lost her dog and, but every morning she would go for a walk with our other neighbor and her dogs. And so even once her dog had passed away, they would still meet up in the morning and walk together. So I think like that was really nice. Um, and then another example I heard from a veterinarian was saying that she had a client who had, um, two cats. One was sick and old and had to take this medication every like six hours or something. So the, um, the woman had to wake up in the middle of the night to give her cat his pills. And so she did this, you know, every night for like, I don't know, several years while he was um, at the end of his life. And her other cat who was younger and healthy kind of got used to this routine of waking up in the middle of the night and she would give the older cat pills, she'd give them both treats and then they'd all go back to bed. And so the vet actually recommended, you know, even though you don't have to give your cat a treat in the middle of the night anymore, like for both of you, that's sort of a nice thing to kind of, you can phase it out, but it's like for the, you know, a few weeks at first, keep that up, wake up in the middle of the night, have your little treat together and then go back to bed. So those are all nice things. And um, I think too, with helping pets, several veterinarians told me that if you can, though it's often hard, um, if you can have any living pets actually view the body of the deceased oh. pet, that actually can help because animals do understand death, but like in a different way than we do. But um, I spoke to several vets who would do like an at-home euthanasia and then the, the living dog could the body of the dog that had passed away and and it seems like then the dog kind of understands okay my friend is is gone you know i had never heard that uh, yeah and and when so when my cat passed away i had been away i had been away and just driving home uh with digby and digby had become friends in just the two months that they were together and i made sure that anakin was out of there uh, you know, I, I put him in a box so I could That was take the him. cat for reference. That the, Anakin yeah. was the cat. And, you know, and Digby knew right away that something was wrong. Um, yeah. and so, wow, that is an amazing piece of information. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for you. sharing that. Yeah, that's the first yeah. I've heard. No, I was, I was surprised to hear that, too, because my instinct similarly would be like, oh, maybe this would be upsetting, you know. Yeah. But I think that animals are very present and they're much more in touch, I think, with life and death because it's closer um and you know obviously like circumstances like with my dog gwen i remember we brought her to the vet and we ended up deciding to euthanize her right there because she was so sick with with all these tumors you know so like sometimes you can't plan and you know often sometimes animals have pretty violent deaths or sudden deaths like i heard a lot of you know cars really bad car hitting stories but so sometimes with that you can't plan but you know if you can um apparently that can be a really nice thing for the living animals to understand um i have a dm dog um my hammer has degenerative myelopathy oh, yeah. and we talk about that a lot and we you talk about the groups finding the support groups i'm yeah. in a couple of degenerative myelopathy support groups including the shade out dm support group. And it's nice to go there and talk to those people because as you were talking about caretaking and experiencing the the sickness part and the 
your routine changes quite a bit because that's a degenerative condition. And there are yeah. two kind of devastating things attached to that. And one is that I know his days are numbered. Of course, all of the pets are. We know that. But yeah. when it's right there in front of you it's every obvious. day, yes. you, you're, you're, you're always reminded of it. Like, this is okay. This is day number. I don't know how much, how long we have. And every time you experience a change, you say, okay, that brings us closer. That means that it's on its way. Death is knocking on the door and reminding me that it's, he's coming for him, you know, yeah. and living with that is really hard and having that support group is, it, um, yes. but I, I like that you bring this up because the thing with DM specifically, and there are a few conditions like this, it's advised that you do send them over the bridge before they get to a certain point yeah. because you don't want them to go slowly and painfully. And you've actually brought that to my mind because I've noticed Chuckles is different in a few ways since Hammer's been taking this journey. Yes. He reacts to him differently. Yeah. I've noticed he wants to be part of the care process. Mortimer so. and, and Booger, they're very independent and they're, okay, it's fine. Well, I wouldn't call Mortimer independent, but he's, he's not so much, but Chuckles says, oh, mom, this is what we do. We take care of Hammer. And yeah. he's made that so. kind of, so that that's um, gonna it's gonna affect him. That's yeah, you telling and, me that reminded me. And yeah, so it, if it can be done here in the house with them around, um, that might be <sighs> something the to way plan to for. Yeah, something to something plan, to plan for. for. But yeah, thank you for for sharing that. Yeah, and also uh, something else I found reassuring is you know a couple of vets pointed out to me that obviously, especially dogs, have incredible senses of smell and are very perceptive to changes in routine and. Mm -hmm. You know, your other dogs like probably know, you know, that if one of them is aging and sick, maybe even before we do, right? Because something else I found reassuring is so many people, myself included, always, like I'm always beating myself up after a pet dies, right? You know, I should have seen it. You know, I should have realized they were sick sooner. I should have done more. I should have. The second you know. guessing. Yeah. There's yeah. always the second guessing. And, but animals, you know, have evolved to hide sickness and because it makes them vulnerable in the wild. Right. right? Yes. So actually, like cats in particular are like um, my friend Karen Fine, who just wrote a great book called The Other Family Doctor. She calls it, uh, he was fine last Tuesday cat because she would have so many cats come in that had just like collapsed, but like, just a couple days before were seemingly fine because animals hide, you know, being sick or being close to death. But I think other animals often can perceive or smell or know. So a lot of the veterinarians I spoke to said, you know, honestly, your, your living pets maybe won't be surprised when it does come time, you know, to send one I, of yours over the bridge. Cause yeah, you know, they I was sorry. No, no, no. They just know it's coming probably. Well, I was surprised at how well Hammer took. So Lilo, that was my first Corgi, the most precious boy there ever was. And I was surprised Hammer really, he's my DM dog. And this was before he started presenting any symptoms. And he was a young, healthy dog, younger, healthy dog. And he, I was very worried about him because right away he recognized he's a rescue. Mm -hmm. And when I brought him into the home, he very much latched onto Lilo and said, oh, you're top dog. I'm going to pal around with you and do whatever you do. And he was his sidekick for everything. Yeah. And I was so concerned about him when Lilo passed away, but he really handled it well. So you telling me that makes me think about that. But as we transitioned into, we talk about memorial pieces 
And um, you, what you were mentioning, so a couple things come to mind. One is I have a giant poster size, blown up framed picture of, of Lilo. Lilo in my in my entryway. And I still don't understand why the other dogs just don't get all jealous and take it down. Well, because there's a picture of them framed right that's next true. to them. That's true. That's true. Not as big. <laughs> but they, um, but that's that's kind of the memorial piece. And I once had a kind of going back to what you said about some of the advice you received. I once had a grief counselor tell me, and this is when I lost my little girl, Corgi Zelda. And I was very hurting when I met this lady. And she said, those rituals are important. Keep they the are. rituals. If you talk to her, if you did things that involved her and you to keep those for as long as you need them, because it's going to help you transition into a new sense of normalcy. Mm -hmm. And I've always taken that to heart. But that's my memorial piece this is my big picture of Lilo. And I love that um, our friends at Corgi Beach Day, who were on Corgi Beach Day. They had Mr. Pickles. He's the one that started yeah. it all. And they lost Mr. Mr. Pickles last year. Mm -hmm. And we actually got to see the unveiling of the Mr. Pickles statue. That, and a huge oh. statue it is. Yeah, very, very big. I mean, and the artist caught caught his likeness perfectly. He's got mm -hmm. his little Hawaiian shirt, and it's precious. And it now they bring him to, to the events. The, uh, and so that's such a great way to remember the legend that was Mr. Pickles. And we recently had on Vanessa Keys, who's an artist. And yes. she, I wouldn't say she specializes, it's just a lot of art, but she she's very big on the memorial pieces. And she makes wonderful sculptures of memorial pieces. Capturing them and... Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think probably the, the nicest thing I did for my fiance, Eric, um, the pack rat, uh, had when he moved in, had all this stuff and all these boxes that he just did not look at for 20 years, <laughs> which is not my thing. I go through the boxes and I find stuff and I found important stuff. And the most important thing I think that I found is the cremains of his precious dogs. And he he just he is one with his dogs i think sometimes he likes his he likes his dog better than me and it's fine um most of us dog people do, do. it's true um and uh i like my cats better um and and found the collars and i cleared a shelf in the living room and made a memorial i had my cats there mm -hmm. and i actually put my three cats into one box you know when they come home they have now they're together they, right. But they were constantly together. They even passed very close to each other. So I put all three uh, bags of cremains um, into one box so that they're always together. Yeah, that's wonderful. Your Rainbow Bridge baby. My Rainbow Bridge baby. Paying homage for sure. So tell us, you had said something before about... Um, that there have been some some fun memorial—I don't want to say fun, fun some um, in interesting, heartwarming memorializations, interesting ways to. We would love for you to share those with us. Yeah, well, what I think is special is like it's very scary, obviously, that there's no one, you know, societal thing to do. Like I personally have felt very sad when a pet has died, and also sort of overwhelmed. Like, should I be planning a funeral? Like, should I just be crying alone in my house? Like, what should I? How should I handle this? And so that can be really hard, but I think it's really freeing that you can just do whatever you want though. So, I mean, yeah. some of the really exciting or unusual sort of approaches that I saw were often things that people could do with like the bodies of their pets that, you know, 
legally you're probably not supposed to do with humans, but I interviewed um, two different women who are both taxidermists who made some really beautiful pieces. Um, and like, obviously taxidermy is not for everybody, but um, one in particular, she'll do like a, well, she'll do paw prints and she'll do like a nose cast too, or even yeah. she'll just preserve like a little piece of like an ear if it if it feels like you want to soft you know to pet the the fur in the same way um and so like that i just thought they were really creative and, and special things that you can do and my feeling really after writing this book and doing all this research is that there's no right or wrong way to grieve you know as long as you're not hurting yourself and you're not hurting other people like do whatever you want. Like if you want to taxidermy your Boston Terrier and, you know, keep him in a glass case. So he's like your coffee table, do it. You know, if you want to get a bunch of tattoos of every cat you've ever had, like you could do that. Or, you know, I, um, also interviewed a gentleman who had his dog cloned and, you know, for me, I'm not sure that's something it's I would expensive. It's, it's ex really expensive. expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a house. It's like purchasing a house. Yeah. It's not cheap, but he, yeah. it was important to him and he wanted to keep his dog's DNA alive in another dog. And that was his way of sort of paying tribute to her. And, you know, I'm like, maybe I'm not going to do it, but I think that's great that he did what he needed to do. And obviously like he knows not everyone can afford to do that, but I think find the ways that work for you and, and what's special for you. Um, I personally love a lot of the, the beautiful portraits and different yeah. crafts um, that I've seen. Um, I love, love all the different, like their paintings. I interviewed um, my friend's mom from uh, my friend from high school. Her mom now actually paints beautiful pet memorial portraits. She sort of fell into it by accident, but um I just think those are really special and it's, I think a beautiful way to always kind of have them in your home, you know, to see them every day still. For sure. And no one should be judged. That's, no. that's where the safe space for grief comes exactly. in. I, I went to, I went support. to a doggy uh, wake. They, and, oh, you did? Yeah. I went to a doggy wake years ago. A friend of mine, Jerry, uh, his, his dog passed away tragically, um, drowned Ooh. and, um, it, yeah, and he invited us all over. And so we were there for Jerry so that, yeah. you know, so that he could get through it and he can, you know. I feel like that's going to be more normal in the future. I think so. I think yeah. having something like Memorial that, services. Yeah. I, I also remember when our first cat passed away, um, my girlfriend Liz, who is a tremendous baker, uh, came over with a pie and, you know, and just let's sit and let's just cry about over comfort about, food. Yeah. About yeah. Caron. And we yeah. did that over comfort food. I will also say, I'm going to throw this one in. Um, EB, you mentioned uh, someone who does glass beads and you can put the ashes in the glass beads. Mm -hmm. um, if you're getting a tattoo, I know this because not my pet, my late husband is in my tattoos. Uh, you can put a little bit of your ashes in yeah. your tattoo. So that's something else you could do to memorialize your pet. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I interviewed a couple of people who have done that with their with their pets, and then um, you can also have ashes pressed into an artificial diamond as yes. well. If you really want to yes. go all out. So also not cheap though. No, no, those are those are not very cheap. And I had looked into that, and actually, cat the, has her late husband on her boob. I have my late husband on my boob. It was his <laughs> favorite spot. Let's you know, let's all be honest here. 
So, but he's um, with you all the time. He's with near me your heart, time. near my heart. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, there's so much in the paw print. I have his thumbprint, uh, the paw prints, the nose prints. Those are all just, you know, we can touch them and remember. Yeah. yeah. The safe space, no judgment. Right. Well, Evie, no. we don't want to keep you all night. We can we can talk about this, you know, for yeah. forever and ever. And um, it is very emotional and it is very heavy. And for those still listening and still with us, thank you for toughing it out with us. Um, but it's something important that needs to be talked about. And we need to create the safe space for ourselves, for our friends, for our loved ones, and for our pets as well. As this is the inevitable part of life that we have to go through. And um we're here for you. We hope that you find the right support group. And you can also go to ebbartels.com. And it is on the banner if you're watching on YouTube. Yes. And it is ebbartels.com if you are listening. And we will share that link in the description box on both YouTube. And if you are listening on the audio platforms, we'll have that available for a quick uh, click link. Um, and the book is Good Grief by E.B. Bartels. And it sounds like wonderful perspective um, and sounds like a good thing to read to have some perspective when going through it. And actually, if you know, if a friend of yours or family member has lost a pet, it is, it, it's actually something that I'm sending uh, my grade school friend, Anne, who um, unexpectedly lost one of her dogs and she's had dogs, you know, her whole life. And this one just hit her hard. So I'm like, here you go. I'm mailing that to her. The book? The book. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank great. you so much for doing that. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for writing it. Yes, <laughs> oh, of course. I was my I was honored to get to share all these stories. So, oh well, thank you for joining our little show. And you know, to Kat's point, you you do big important shows like NPR. So taking the time to come and and do our little podcast um, <laughs> for our our very cherished audience. Yes, um, we're very grateful for you and what you do. And thank you for coming onto the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks, EB. Have a great night. Bye. I'm so glad that you're sending the book to your friend. Yes, I, I, uh, so I've got that and, um, and, and actually another friend of mine too, who lost her two little doggies and getting a copy for myself. Um, you know, it just, when it's a you, source of comfort, it's a source of comfort. It's, it's a community. That's not a community. Yeah. You know, it, it, it reading the other stories is, you know, gives you a sense of community. Well, we encourage you go to ebbartels.com. Yes. Um, pick up the book, pick up a copy for yourself or someone going through it. Um, and when you're ready to read it, never hurts to get the book and open it when you're ready to. But Indeed. thank you for joining us. We're here for you every Thursday. We don't always tackle heavy subjects like this, but it, it does need to be it does talked be about. Yes. And we want you to know that we are here for you. Um, feel free to share any stories if it's healing to you in the comment section, or if you want to private message us or email us, candy at Corgi Town USA. We are here for you to listen. We've been there. We've walked the walk. We know how painful it is, yes. and it seems impossible when you're going through it. Lean on your support. Right. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. We thrive off of you joining us and being part of our audience. Dear listener, dear viewer, thank you. We'll see you next week. Bye.